visiting with us today, we want to say welcome. Um, we have some little informational handouts that uh, we refuse to call a church bulletin around here. Um, but if you would take one of those, there's a, a, hand, a tear out inside of that. Man, if you would fill that out and uh, we, we want to be able to share with you when we do more events like this, even if you drove all in from a distance, um, we want to be able to put you on our email list and, um, and uh, just so that you, you can know what's going on, even if you may never pass this way again, that, that you um, know what uh, God is doing in our lives and you know how to pray for us. And um, man, we're excited um, about you being here and about our futures together and what God has in store for us. Um, man, we, um, we're sitting on a miracle um, here on this property where you sit. Uh, when we were building this building, the owner of the property would come around and I told him one day, I said, man, um, if you ever want to sell that, if you'll just let us know about it, we'd love to have first option to buy it. And I think he wanted like 370 something thousand dollars. And I was like, man, when your first option is a little bit less, I can't pay for what we got. Um, and we began to pray for that, uh, just asking the Lord, and uh, it was probably about eight months later, it was approached that this property was for sale uh, for $120,000, and uh, the Lord, uh, wouldn't, we just didn't allow that to happen at that time, and we let that go, and God brought it back to us for the same price, and um, He gave this property to us last year, and we're excited to be worshiping Him. Uh, on these grounds today. Can we say amen, church? We're excited. Uh, who knows the future of what God's up to? Uh, I believe today will be our first service on what will be our future sanctuary in the future. Uh, I was hoping it, it was quite a ways in the future, but uh, man, the way the Lord's moving, uh, Wednesday evening, uh, we had almost 200 children here. Uh, just literally didn't know where to put them, and uh, God is doing some great things, and we're excited about that. Man, if you need a place to sit, we have plenty of seating over here to the left. Uh, if you guys are looking for a place as we're getting started, um, thank you, Motorcycle Ministries, Motorcycle Bikers, and all you guys for being here today. It is our heart's desire to uh, meet you where you are, love you, and help Reach your friends, your neighbors, your peers for Jesus Christ. I want to say thank you to everybody who helped make this possible. Uh, sitting here, uh, it looks like we just, poof, here's church. But uh, there's lots of hard hours went in this week. Even this morning, thank you to our AV sound team, our band for making this happen. And uh, man, we're excited. Isn't this great? Praise the Lord. And, uh, man, we're just believing the Lord do some great things. All right. You want me to preach in this vest? I might get tangled up or something. Praise the Lord. Huh? I won't be the first one? All right. It's interesting. Uh, today, it's our desire um, at Family of Grace. If you're joining us from home, we're outside the walls of our sanctuary. It's our desire to be a church that goes beyond the walls of our sanctuary and begins to connect with people right where they are and um, believing God to do the miracles 
across barriers and cultural, whether it be a cultural barrier, a social barrier, a racial barrier, a language barrier, but that all the barriers would come down. Man, when I look around here this morning and see you out here, I feel like a lot of barriers have come down. Amen? Let's give the Lord a hand for that today. That didn't just happen. A lot of times people will visit our our church and worship with us, and they'll say, man, your church is so diverse. And I'll say, well, let me tell you, I remember when there was just about 20 of us white folks sitting around with a dream and a vision saying, God, how do we get there? And uh, it's not been an easy task. Not long ago, somebody asked me, they said, Pastor, I'm just not real comfortable. I can't find a place in your church to feel comfortable. I said, me either. And that's the way we hope it stays. Because it's not about our comfort, but it's about our ability to connect with people who are not like we are. And uh, Brother Daryl, thank you, man, for, for this best. Uh, praise the Lord. Uh, To those of us not in the biker world, it doesn't mean much. Uh, But to those of you who are in it, I realize the significance of it. uh, It's a a what? It's a cut. I don't know if I'm in enough to use that, brother. Amen. I mean, look at here. Uh, I rode my brother's bike the other day, and he said, uh, my feet were wet. And he said, I guess so. Look at those shoes you got on. But you know, it's, it's one thing to ride a bike, and it's another thing to be a biker. Amen? It's one thing to be people to adventure in hobbies in different cultures and enjoy things from other cultural groups. But it's another thing to be born and destined for that culture group. And God doesn't want you to leave that. Today, we, there's a movement in America and it's called transitional churches. And one church transitions and moves out to the another area because the community around them transitioned. And they were unwilling to change and, and identify with the people that God sent them. So they just left and gave it to somebody else. Today, I don't believe that's what God's called us to do. I believe God's called us to be who we are, where we are, and be faithful in that. And if you will be who you are and believe God for who you are, right where you are, That's something God can honor, and that's something that men and women from every culture group can respect, no matter where they come from. Amen? Today, if you have your Bible, I want you to turn to a familiar passage of Scripture. That familiar passage of Scripture is found in the the book of Romans. It's in chapter 8, and then we're going to be looking in 1 Samuel, another familiar passage of Scripture, 1 Samuel But if you'll turn to Romans chapter 8, I want to share with you a passage of Scripture. I believe that probably has given a lot of you a lot of encouragement. uh, Days in your life when you didn't know what to do, you didn't know where to turn. I believe it's something that God probably spoke to your heart and uh, uh, has given you a lot of strength to run on in, in, in times past. Some of you may have rolled in here on this Scripture this morning. Amen. I hope somebody has. The Bible says in Romans 8 and 37... Now know this, that in all things you are more than victorious. You are more than a conqueror through Christ who loves us. And it says, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor depth, nor height, nor any other created thing will have the power. Say that with me. Will have the power or the ability 
to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Amen. Then in the book of 1 Samuel, as you turn there and find your place in verse 16, what does it mean to be more than a conqueror? Have you ever thought about this? Have you ever worried that you may not live up to all of the God-given potential that you have? Have you ever sensed the potential in your life, in your heart, in your body, in your soul? Have you ever sensed that and thought, man, I just don't have the ability to live up to that? Man, have you ever thought about those moments and thought, wow, that ability, that potential that God has given me. Have you ever thought, man, I know that I have this shut up in me, but I don't know that I will ever fulfill it. Maybe it's because you look at your pedigree and you think, my family's not a family of influence. My family's not a family of prominence. So therefore, I can never achieve the vision and the dream that God has for you. Maybe it's because you come, come from a broken family. Or maybe you don't know who your dad was. And maybe you feel like you're handicapped. Or maybe it's because you're an adult and you still, can't, you still have trouble reading. Or you still have trouble writing. And you say, man, I, I'll never be able to be all that God wants me to be because I, I'm handicapped. Or maybe it's because you do have physical uh, limitation and physical handicaps and you say, man, I've got this vision and it's shut up in my bones, but I'll never be able to be those things because I just feel like I'm so limited. Do you ever find yourself going to work and, and working five days a week and going through your schedule or working seven days a week and going through your work schedule and you're working and you're performing a task and you're doing a job, but all day you're daydreaming about something else. When you go to work, you daydream about something else. I remember when God called me to preach, I was grading, when I was really getting close to surrendering to preach, I was grading hardwood lumber. I know, I've done about everything for the Martins. And man, what they would do is they would randomly select a hundred of your boards and they would evaluate your grading. And they would, your bonus would be paid upon your evaluation. Well, man, we stand that we stood at a, a chain just like this, flipped all days, and you'd mark them and cut some off, and, and, and that would give you the ability to make the grade of the board a better grade. And the whole time you had to be calculating, how can I cut this board so that it makes the company more money? And so, boy, you'd be there, and you'd be marking and flipping and cutting, and I mean, they were going by just real fast, and man, I'd be sitting there, and all of a sudden, I mean, God would just get a hold of me, and I would just start preaching. I, I mean, I, I mean, not to the guys around me, but I mean, to myself, man, I'd just be preaching, and all of a sudden, they would, they would pull my boards, and they'd be like, how did you mark that board that? And I was thinking, well, probably because my mind was somewhere else. I'm not the only person that's ever done that. If you are currently doing that, you are probably fulfilling a job that you are not destined to fulfill. You are probably in an occupation that God has not created you to be in. Now, it doesn't mean you cannot be successful. It doesn't mean that you cannot be victorious. It doesn't mean that you cannot be wealthy. But I tell you what it does mean, that you can never be fulfilled. Because you can never be fulfilled when you're doing something that you were not created and destined to do. I want you to know today, my brothers and sisters in Christ, no matter where you come from, no matter what walk of life, no matter what the color of your skin may be today, God has created you and He formed you and He fashioned each and every one of us for a purpose, for a plan, so that we could first of all glorify God with all of our being, honor Him with all of our life, and be exactly what God has called us to be. Nothing more, nothing Nevertheless, being what God has called us to be. Then you will be more than a conqueror. 
God didn't create you to live a life of futility. He didn't create you to live a life of futileness. He didn't create you to live a life of emptiness. God didn't create you to live a life of complacency. God created you to thrive right where you are. Now, I want you to understand something today. This is not the power of positive thinking. This is not the power of if you believe something, you can be it. No, here's what it's the power of. It's the power that when you were in your mother's womb, God formed you and fashioned you. I don't care if you were a uh uh-oh, a mistake, or a souvenir your mom and dad call you. You may have caught them by surprise. You may have been formed in the back seat of a car. But God had a purpose. God had a plan. The devil thinks that he's come to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus has come to you today and say you can have life and have it more abundantly. Amen. That's something to be excited about today. God created you to live a life of fullness, not brokenness. Today, when I think about this and somebody having the ability to live up to their fullest or their potential, one guy that just really resonated in my heart was a guy that you're familiar with. His name's David. David knew what it was like to not make the cut. He knew what it was like to not make the team. And if you've ever played in in athletics or anything like that and you didn't make the team or maybe you were on the second team or the third string and maybe you never really got to get in the game, you know what I'm talking about. The man of God came to anoint a new king in the town, in his village, and all of a sudden in that town, that village, he was looking for what God was doing. and, And in that creation, in that moment, David didn't even get to go to the banquet. When the highest man of God came into the house, David had to stay in the field because he was a shepherd. The Bible says this, that when Samuel came and he looked at him, he went to anoint one of the guys who were a king, and he looked like a king. He seemed to walk like a king. He seemed to act like a king. And he took out his flask of oil to anoint him with oil, and God said, don't you do it. He said, he may look like a duck, he may walk like a duck, but he ain't no duck. He's not a king. And Samuel looked around and he went to Jesse, and it says in the Bible, in the book of 1 Samuel, in chapter 16, here's what it says. He says, do you have any more sons? Do you have any more sons? And when we see that passage of Scripture, well, don't you know that really ticked off the other ones that just got rejected? Samuel asked in 1 Samuel 16 and 11, are these all your sons? And he says, well, there's still one young one. But he's not here right now because he's just a shepherd tending the sheep. Samuel told Jesse, he said, you go send for him. And we're not going to sit down. We're not going to eat. We're not going to do anything till that boy gets here. And when he got there, it says that he looked upon him and his eyes was beautiful. And he was healthy. He was handsome. Then the Lord said, anoint him for he is the one. Circle that in your Bible. He is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord took control of David from that day forward. You know why most people will never conquer their purpose that God created them for? It's because they're overcome by envy. What does it mean to be overcome by envy? To be overcome by envy means I, I must be like you. I must, I must be like you to be accepted. You know what, what's amazing today is that for years I've been investing my life for a long time ago. I've been investing my life in the biker community and loving you guys and believing in you and praying with you and, and believing God for you. And you know what? I, 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 I haven't tried to be like you. 
One, because God didn't really create me to be in your clique, in your culture group. But it doesn't mean that we can't be friends. It doesn't mean that we can't come along beside each other. It doesn't mean that we can't hold hands. It doesn't mean that we can't wade off into the trenches together and bombard the gates of hell for the glory of God, singing amazing grace and believing God to change the culture of the world around us, being who we are and not who we are not. Envy says, I have to be just like you. I have to dress like you. Envy tells you bikers, you can come to church when you look like we like, when you get rid of your leather, when you, when you cover up your tats, when you, when you get rid of your facial hair, when you dress like we dress, when you talk like we talk. I want you to understand that God didn't place us in the middle of the darkness of Alexandria to tell people, you have to look like we look, you have to act like we act, you have to eat where we eat, you have to live where we live. No sir, no ma'am. He brought us to this place for such a time as this to scale the walls, break down the barriers, come along beside one another and not envy one another to make one another be a bunch of little mini-me's but to be together for the glory of God that we may make a difference for the kingdom of God and that our life may be fulfilled (laughs) envy keeps people from being what God has destined them to be envy even what God predestined them to be you say pastor I thought you weren't a Calvinist I'm not But God predestined every one of us to be in the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. And many people refuse to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and personal Savior, not because of envy, but it's because of the second reason people won't fulfill their purpose. It's because of people-pleasing. See, people won't be who God's called them to be. They won't fulfill their purpose, normally for one of two reasons. One is because they're trying to be what they think people like, they're trying to be like everybody else. Man, when we think about this and we look at David, we, we realize that, that I, I must be like you. Write that down somewhere. People say, you must be like me to be loved. And then the second reason people won't be these things is because they say, I, I, I must be liked by you. There's a difference. One, I have to be just like you. Amen? I mean, come on, guys. Doesn't this look, look ridiculous as best with a plaid shirt? I mean, it just, I mean, somebody could have given me the heads up and said, hey, wear black or something today, Pastor. And so as we think about this, we realize that what God is doing, and so we think about these, these dots and we begin to connect and we say, man, I must be just like you to be like. I'm so thankful today that I can just be who I am and be who God's called me to be and be who I am and you still like me. The second thing is that we must be liked by you. You got to like me so that I can feel loved. I want you to know Jesus, Jesus didn't like you. He loved you. That's why he went to the cross of Calvary and he laid down his life. He laid down his life and died for you. Envy, you trying to be like somebody else, not who God created you to be, will keep you from being who God destined you to be. And then you trying to please people and, 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 and worried about... Worried about not being able to fulfill what God's trying to do in your life will keep you from being what God wanted you to be. Many people will never receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and personal Savior, not because the Holy Spirit's not dealing with them, not because they don't feel the nudging of the Holy Spirit, but they, they're fearful that they will not know how to live on the front side of the cross. 
It's one thing to live on the, I mean, on the back side of the cross. It's one thing to live on the front side of the cross where we see Jesus Christ. We see his sacrifice. We see his love for one another. Today, many people will reject the love of Christ. They will spend an eternity in hell because they're fearful of what life looks like on the back side of the cross. I'll tell you what the life looks like on the back side of the cross. It looks like peace, joy, love, contentment, completeness, wholeness, and peace. It passes all understanding in the presence of a holy God. But they're fearful, man, what will my friends think? Because I'm worried about what my friends think, I'll never be who God has destined me to be because I'm overcome with fear that if I go on the backside of the cross, if I receive Christ as my Lord and Savior, I will never be able to be accepted by my my peers again. The Bible's full of examples where that didn't happen. I mean, that Samaritan woman... Pound herself on the back side of the cross and she went and gathered up every man she knew. The ones that she'd probably been with. She had a good following with the men crowd and John. And she brought them guys back. And, and when she brought them to them, many of them began to believe because she was unafraid to live on the back side of the cross. Let me tell you today, you don't have to go to the cross because Jesus Christ already went to the cross for you. No greater love is this than a man lay down his life and die for you. You don't have to die because he already died for you. You can live on the back side of the cross in the power of the resurrection because the payment for sin's penalty has been fulfilled by the finished work of Calvary. All we have to do is say, Lord, nothing in my hands I bring simply to the cross I cling. Lord, I am willing to be all that you have created me to be. Lord, I am willing to be destined to what you have destined me to be. Today, God is moving. God is ruling. God is reigning. The question is, will you invite him into your heart? Will you accept that purpose? Will you accept that peace? Will you conquer your purpose? Will you let God have His way in your heart and in your life today? David was a great example of that. David, man, it says he's the one. I ask you to circle that in your Bible today because you're the one. You may not be the one to be the king of Israel. You may not be the one to be the president of the United States. You may not be the one to be the president of a company, but you are the one. What are you the one for? I don't know. But before you were ever born, God had a purpose and a plan. Listen, when your mom and dad was trying to still figure out what your name was going to be, the Bible says in Isaiah that he was calling that name out. When you were in the matrix of your mother's womb in the portal of glory, God has a purpose. God has a plan. God didn't create you to live your life as a half-baked believer or a half-baked human. He wants you to thrive right where you're planted. The question is, will you be all that God has called you to be? David had to wrestle with those choices. From the shepherd, from the fields of the watching sheep, to the father's house, to being anointed as king. Then when he was anointed king, the Bible teaches us that God withdrew the anointing from Saul. Matter of fact, if you look at this in your Bible, we realize that David had a special purpose. And we see this in that passage of Scripture. It says... In verse 14 of chapter 16, Now the Spirit of the Lord had left Saul, and an evil spirit began to torment him. So Saul's servant said, Let's find someone to come and play a harp, and maybe it'll make him happy. So Saul thought that was a good idea, so he sent some people to find somebody. Guess who they found? David. And here comes David, and he'd play his harp, and all of a sudden Saul would be happy. Because the music would soothe away his torments. 
And he would find himself and he'd be lost in that. And so it says here that he brought them in. And it says in verse 23 of chapter 16, Whenever the Spirit of God troubled Saul, David would pick up his harp and play. And Saul would then be relieved and feel better. And that tormenting spirit would leave him. And as we look at this here, we see clearly that that tormenting spirit was David had a special purpose. And that special purpose was not that he would spend his sheep being a shepherd. Not that he would spend his eternity or his time of his life being a shepherd, but that he would spend his time shepherding the people of God. And he knew that he could identify with them. He knew that he knew how to lead people because he knew how to lead sheep. And David was one of the greatest kings of Israel because he had a common sense background. He knew how to work in the common realm. And he had a special purpose and a special calling. And many times he could have got sidetracked. I mean, he was a great musician. He could have said, you know what? I think I'll just join a rock band with my harp, go figure. And, uh, and spend his world life touring around trying to play music. Or he could be what God has called him to be. And then the story unfolds. And you know this. You know that David had a special, not only a special purpose but he had a special favor right here we see that Saul loved him matter of fact Saul sent to his dad and said hey can can David just hang out with me man he helps me a lot special favor he could have come become overwhelmed with pride and been over with a sense of arrival like man I'm playing for the king or he could have had a rebellious attitude and said Saul I don't have to play for you I've been anointed the king I, I was rejected you know, people that are rejected, they, they, they have this little, little man syndrome a lot of times. When they finally get to a place of leadership, they, they just begin to, to be overruling and overpowering. They just want to they, they inflict their people because they finally have a place where somebody will listen to them. And, and it's all, David could have been like that. David could have said, Saul, I don't have to play the harp for you. The Spirit of the Lord has already left you. I'm the king. But no, that's not what he did. He got his heart and he played and he was obedient and he followed to the place and the station where he was in life at that time. And then all the people went off to war, didn't need a harp player in the middle of a battlefield, so David went back to tend the sheep. In the middle of that, his father told him, Jesse said, hey man, take this bread and cheese and go feed your brothers on the battlefield and he got there and there was this big ugly giant that was all all around and 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 he was cussing the name of God and while all the great men of God while the king of Israel was hiding in his tent David walked down that battlefield with his bread and cheese and says what in the world's going on here I said, well, they got that big guy out there named Goliath that comes out every day and torments us and David was like you know what I ain't putting up with this and he said, I'm going to go out there and take care of him. And you know what's amazing? That nobody really tried to stop him. But, but Saul did say, hey, put my armor on. Put my armor on. He put all this armor on. And there little old David goes, just a boy in Saul's armor. It was too big and it didn't fit. And man, he, he, he took that armor off. And as he took that armor off, he reached down. He, he, he literally laid aside that armor, put it aside, picked up. He took that armor, said, Saul, here's your armor. Take your armor. There it is. I, wait a minute. He picked up his little slingshot. He picked up his five smooth stone and went out there and said, this is all I need. Somebody said, what do you think you're going to miss? He said, no, he's got four brothers. One for each. One shot, one kill. 
And there, that little boy went. And, and Goliath said, what do you think I am, a dog? Did you come out here with sticks and stones? And David said, no, sir, I come out here in the name of the Lord, host the tribe of Israel. I come to take care of business in the name of Jesus. You may overlook me for my youth. You may underestimate me for my youth. But remember something, I was born with a purpose. Saul said, son, how do you think you can conquer that giant? Because I was born with a purpose to shepherd and stand up for the sheep. When the lion came and tried to attack the sheep. As a shepherd, I overpowered him. When the bear came, I came in and overpowered him. I am being who God has called me to be. I have my own armor. I have the armor that God has given me. Take your armor. Take your swords. I'm going to be what God has destined me to be. A purpose. The story unfolds. He kills him. You can look in your Bible there. You can see clearly here it says in, 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 in chapter 17 and verse 50, David defeated the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Verse 53 says, Then all the men of Israel came out, and they put the Philistines on the run. Isn't it amazing that all the heroes came out when the work was done? Amen. They came out, and all that was happening, and Man, those things was taking place. And man, there was David with a special calling, with a special purpose, with a special anointing on his life. And man, when we look at this and we connect the dots here, it goes even further. And it says that he had that special favor because he had special success. I'll tell you today that David defeated the giant. That he defeated the, the greatest enemy of the children of God. And I want you to know that on a cross 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ, as a young man, defeated the greatest enemy of every man, woman, boy, and girl. That we may have a peace that would pass all understanding. David had special favor because he killed the giant. The king offered a reward and said, your family can be set free from taxes. Can I get a witness in the month of April? Amen. None of your father's household had to pay the king's tax again. And you can have the hand of my daughter in marriage. And all of a sudden, in his success, everybody around started praising him, saying, oh, David is great, David is great. He had the, 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 the approval of man. He had the acceptance of man. He had a seat now at the king's table. And he had the king's daughter. All the benefits that come with being the king's daughter. At that point, David could have said, well, you know, there's no reason for me to really rock the boat. I've got it good now. Man, I'm not in the field watching out over sheep. I'm respected. People's praising me. I'll just enjoy this for a while. One of the greatest enemies of what God has called you to be and destined you to be is good stuff. I'm going to say that again. Because this half didn't hear it. One of the greatest enemies of what God has called you to be is good things. Success will rob you of the best. Prosperity will rob you of your destiny. The applause of men will rob you of your destiny no matter what cultural group you find yourself in. When we're wealthy, when we're making money, when we're being praised by men, we think, well, man, do I really need to push harder? Do I really need to go the extra mile? I mean, David, I mean, for the, from a boy coming from the shepherd's school, 
from a boy that wasn't even willing to come into his own father's house when the man of God was there for the great celebration, for the boy that was rejected, the feast, the festival that was happening in his own household, he could have settled in right there and said, you know what, this is a good spot. I think I may just say, hey, soul, take ease and be warm, be filled, enjoy the journey. The only problem was David's success really ticked off his predecessor. Matter of fact, in that next chapter, it says they were sitting there and Saul took a spear and tried to throw it at David and kill him. David escaped. You know, at that moment, David could have had his spokesperson come out and coordinate a meeting with Saul and say, you know, Saul, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get out and make a public statement that I never meant to undermine the authority of the king. I'm going to get out and, you know what, I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to silence all these people that are saying Saul's killed thousands and David's killed ten. I'm, I'm going to take care of that. You know what, I just want there to be peace and harmony in my, with my marriage. I, you know, I want to be able to come over at Christmas time. I don't, I don't want to be able to have any conflict at home. But David wasn't one of those kind of leaders. And I hope you're not either. David was somebody who said, you know what, I don't have to settle to be a shepherd. I don't have to settle to be a musician. I don't have to settle to be anything less than what God's called me to be. Now, all those things are great positions. They're great things if that's what God had destined you to be. But David was destined to be the king of Israel. And today, God has destined many of you to be great things. And He has a great purpose and a great plan for your life. But the fear of failure is keeping you from conquering your destiny. The fear of hardship is keeping you from conquering your destiny. A lot of times, if something relieves the pressure, we'll make a decision. It takes the pressure off. And we'll say, oh, boy, God was in that decision. I feel much better now. I made a decision, and it relieved the pressure, so now I feel better. Well, I want you to know that just because something relieves the pressure doesn't mean that's what God's in. Matter of fact, I can almost tell you that if God's calling you up to the next level, it's not going to relieve the pressure. He's going to apply the pressure. The Bible says we may be hard-pressed on every side, yet you will not be crushed. I read that passage of Scripture in Romans chapter 8. It says we're more than conquerors, but the verse that I didn't read was that all we like sheep are led to the slaughter. And we have a target on our back to be killed. But in the middle of going to the slaughterhouse, we are more than conquerors. What can separate me from my destiny? Neither death, depth, nor height, nor things in the past, nor things in the present, nor things in the future can separate me from the love of God and God's plan for my life. Oh, David had more than a shepherd mentality, even though that's what he really was. He ruled as a shepherd. Because you can never separate the shepherd from who God created you to be. God took the shepherd to a higher level. Some of you are saying, man, I can never do that. I can never be a pastor. I can never be a missionary. I can never speak up at work. I can never speak up on my softball team, my baseball team, my soccer team. I I can never do those things. I'm I'm not an outspoken person. And you're right. You're probably not. But through Christ, you can conquer your greatest purpose. Who knows if you're not the person that God has placed there for such a time as this to make the difference. David received a special victory because he was willing to make the hard choices. Do you realize from this chapter on, 
all the way through the rest of Samuel, David ran for his life. Saul hunted him down like a deer for the rest of his, Saul's life. And there was times that he came so close to David, the Bible says that one day he went in the cave to relieve himself, and Saul did, and, and he was right, David was right there hiding from him. He was so close that David took off his, took his sword, or knife, and cut off a piece of Saul's garment, he didn't even know it, and he sent it to him and said, you are this close to me. See, David was a man who understood that when God has anointed you, when God's called you, when God's destined you, which is everybody, you don't have to kick open the door. He will usher it in in due season. And today, God's looking for some men and women, boys and girls, who will just rise up and say, I will wait on the Lord so that I can mount up with the wings of eagles, so that I can run and not grow weary, so that I can walk and not faint. God's called every one of us in this building today, number one, to salvation. The Bible says, God wish that none should perish, but that all should have everlasting life. God's called every one of you to be predestined in the image of His Son, Jesus. God's called every one of us in this house today to a special calling. Your calling isn't like my calling. Your, your gift isn't like my gift. Earlier we had our, our first service and most of the people who attend that first service was out here working. And I remember one time this preaching professor told me, he said, he said you, you don't need to preach like you preach. I said, why? He said, because like, if there was nobody in this room, would you still preach like that? I was thinking, well, that's kind of how I was doing it down at the sawmill. I may not have been speaking out loud, but I'll tell you inside, I was jumping up and down and running all about, amen. That's how all my boards got hijacked. So I told our guys a while ago, I said, hey, if you'll sing like there's a thousand in here, I'll preach like it. It's just being who God called you to be. Nothing more and nothing less. God has a special calling on every life here today and every life that's ever been born. Yet most people will live a life not experiencing fulfillment. They will live a life daydreaming about what they were destined to be and never being what God called them to be. One of the greatest statements this crazy preacher told me one time when I was really struggling with Surrender to the ministry. He said, now son, you'd, you'd be a lot better off to, to sell that nice truck you got, get rid of all your toys, find you an old broke down truck, and get in the will of God than to have all the treasures in the world and continue to be like you are today. It's probably the best advice I ever received. God may not be calling you to preach. He may be calling you to be a baker. He may be calling you to be a pilot. He may be calling you to be a banker, a CPA, a doctor, a lawyer. God may be calling you to be a nurse. God may be calling you to be a maintenance man. God may be calling you to be a landscaper. God may be calling you to be in, in, in the cleaning business. God may be calling you to be a teacher. I don't know what God is calling you to for your life, but whatever He's calling you to, He's equipping you for, and whatever He's equipping you for, He expects you to be His hands, His feet, His eyes, His ears, his arms. Oh, there will be those that come against you. They'll do everything they can to derail what God has destined you to be. In my life, I've experienced that on many occasions. It didn't take long, matter of fact. 
hadn't even started good. But I want you to know this, that he who is with you is greater than he who is against you. I want you to know today that if you're, if you're a biker, if you're in the 1% group, whether you're in a ministry or out of ministry, I want you to know that you have a family here who believes in you and support you. They'll hold the line for you to go back and make a difference. I want you to know that no matter what your occupation is, no matter what your, your hobby is, no matter what your enthusiast may be, what enthuses you, no matter what you are, if you're a musician, whatever it is, there's a group of people here that will hold the line for you. Now, sometimes you may look at that line and say, that line don't look very strong, and I'm picking up what you're putting down, amen? But I want you to know there's a hand that's holding that line that's greater than we are. And just when you think it's about to pop, you have to remember that a three-stranded card is not easily broken. God has anointed you. God has called you. God will equip you. The question is, who will go? Who will be His hands? Who will be His feet? Who will be the catalyst that makes a difference? Who will say, I love you like you are. I love you where you are. But I love you so much, I refuse to leave you there. Kicking and screaming. Shooting up. Getting drunk. Sleeping around. Stealing. It doesn't matter. Killing. I mean, the guy that wrote over half the New Testament was a pretty good murderer. Not of thugs that deserve to die, but of the bride of Christ. God can redeem him. He can do a lot with you. Would you let him? Right now, today, let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart.